Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. So what's important to see with this is about what Jacob's got in his mind when he realizes and he's thinking, you know, six years, I've got six years. Now he's got the opportunity within six years to get two births per year. So in the six years, he's got an opportunity for 12 births. And the other point to realize about goats and sheep is they don't start breeding, or you shouldn't start breeding until they're about 10 to 12 months old, about a year. And these goats, you get about uh, seven years of breeding out of a goat like this until about eight years old, and then they're done. So during the six years that Jacob's opportunity is here to build his herd, virtually all of the breeding life, really virtually all the actual life, of Laban's animals will be spent during this time, the six years. So virtually all the animals that will be left at the end of the six years will be from the new goats that come from the goats that he has now at the start of the six-year project, see? So Laban is thinking that all of the goats and the sheep that are gonna come at the end of the six-year project will be black goats and white sheep because he's gonna remove all, because all the non Black goats, the non-white sheep are going to be removed. And everybody knows. Black goats make black sheep. White sheep make white sheep. (laughs) But Jacob, he's thinking, he's run to God. And he's trusting in God. So that he's thinking, all those black goats are going to make non-black goats. And all those white sheep are going to make non-white sheep. See? So you look carefully at verse 33. Because in the first part of verse 33, Jacob is talking about a what, and then Jacob is talking about a when, and then Jacob is talking about a where, see? So when you look at that, first Jacob said there is a what in the first part of verse 30. What what does Jacob say will answer for him? What will answer for him? My righteousness. righteousness. See, that's the what. My righteousness is going to answer. Then second, Jacob is saying when. So in that first part of verse 33, when did Jacob say his righteousness was going to answer for him? Yeah, time to come. When it shall come for his hire in the time to come, which would come obviously at the end of the six years. And third, Jacob is saying where? See, so in the first part of verse 33, where did Jacob say his righteousness would answer for him? Before thy face, right in the face of Laban. So what is the what righteousness when is the when at the time of my heart? Where is the where? It's in Laban's face. That's what Jacob's talking about. So first, for the what righteousness, Jacob is talking about when he says righteousness, what is right? So by saying the word righteousness, Jacob is saying to Laban, I want to talk to you, Laban, about what is right. It's not right 
that I've just worked for you for an extra seven years and got nothing for it. That's not right. I agreed to work the first seven years for you in order to get Rachel, but I had to work another seven years for you to get Rachel. That means it wasn't right for me to work that additional seven years and get nothing. You owe me for those additional seven years. That's the righteousness part. When, he says, so when Jacob is saying to Laban, he's saying like this. By Jacob saying, when it shall come for my hire, Jacob is saying, at the end of the six-year project, God's gonna make the wrong right. And again, the wrong will be set right, and that wrong is gonna be the seven years of labor with no pay that you, Laban, have extracted from me. And third, he says, where? Jacob is saying, maybe this part he loved the most, I don't know. Jacob is saying, in your face. He's saying that, he says, the set is going to be made wrong in your face, and you won't be able to avoid seeing that God set the wrong right. Okay, now what happened during these six years? Well, you know, goats can give birth to as little as one kid per birth, and to as many as three kids per birth. The average is two. But sometimes goats, we had goats, they can give five kids. You've seen that. So let's give an average of two, the standard average, two kids per birth. Maybe it was three, I don't know. But during these six years, since they throw twice per year, that means the herd fourfold each year. And after six years, that means the herd would grow 24-fold, 24-fold. Now, we have to pick a number that Laban's herd was at the start of the project. And we know that Jacob said when he first came, it was little, it was small. Well, how little was it? Well, Rachel was taking care of it. Somehow I just don't get the idea that Rachel is a big he-man, but anyway. So she alone is taking care of, of Laban. So let's say that, you know, uh, pretty young Rachel, maybe she's got 20 goats and sheep, you know, that she's got there. And after 14 years, how many has he got? Well, I don't know, but, you know, I always thought in Lakeside when you had 300 goats, that was a lot. So let's give him 300. So he's got, okay, 300. So let's say that Laban's herd started out this time with 300 goats. That means that after six years, those 300 goats could grow 24-fold to over 7,000 goats. That's really a lot, especially under God's blessing if each female threw more than the average two per birth. So and let's say that of those 300 starting goats, that maybe there were 5%, and I think that's a really high figure, but let's say that maybe 5% that were non-black goats and non-white sheep. That's 15, 15 animals. So Laban starts out, and he says, 15 animals? That's nothing, you know, but we'll take care of them. Okay, so Laban starts out taking care of Jacob's measly little 15 animals, while Jacob starts out taking care of Laban's, let's say, 300 animals. Now, during this six-year time, Jacob's 15 animals that he starts off taking care of, let's say they do grow 24 times. So now they're 360. So all of a sudden Laban's got 360. But every non-black goat and every non-black sheep that's born in Laban's herd, those immediately are taken out because he doesn't want them in there. Laban doesn't. And they go over to Laban to take care of. No, Jacob is taking care of Laban's flock. And so every non-black goat and non-white sheep that are born under Jacob's care, that are Laban's flock, okay? I haven't confused you. I think I confused myself, but anyway. They got to get out of that herd because Laban doesn't want them there. So they go over to Laban's side. (laughs) This is Laban's flocks. Jacob is taking care of Laban's flocks. They are on Jacob's side. Oh, I see what the problem is. 
doesn't matter. All right, so you understand, so I don't have to say anymore. All right, so at the end of six years, Jacob, he gives to Laban his original all-black goats and all-white sheep. And what are they? They're worn out. They're ready to die. (laughs) They're old goats. And what happens? Jacob now, he collects his hire. Jacob collects his hire that Laban's taking care of. It's like 7,000 maybe, non-black goats and non-white sheep, which he's probably got all the people in the area coming around like a circus to see all these non-black goats. And anyway, and so that's what happens at the end of six years. See, you know, Laban says, all I got to take care of is 15. Oh, it's nothing, you know. And at the end, you know, he's got 300 practically dead animals, and he's got 7,000 he's taking care of for the other guy. That's a real issue. So this is a fulfillment of 1 Samuel 26, 23. The Lord rendered to every man his righteousness and his faithfulness. And Psalm 37, 5 through 8. Psalm 37, 5 through 8. Commit thy way, Jacob, unto the Lord. Trust also in him. He shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospers in the way, in the process, that'd be Laban, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass, that'd be Laban. Cease from anger, that'd be Jacob. Forsake wrath, that'd be Jacob. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. And so this is what Jacob has done. And the key to Jacob's being able to do this are the words that he says in verse 33, in time to come, in time to come. See, when Jacob said in time to come, Jacob was saying that in time to come, we'll be able to look back and we'll be able to see what God did. And that phrase, in time to come, is important And God wants us to always look back. It means look back and see. That's what he said in the book of Exodus where he gave this feast of unleavened bread in in Exodus 13.7, Exodus 13.7. Unleavened bread shall be eaten seven days and there shall be no leavened bread seen with thee, neither shall there be leaven seen with thee in all thy quarters. And thou shalt show thy son in that day, saying, this is done because of what of that which the Lord did unto me when I came forth out of Egypt. And then in verse 14, Exodus 13, 14, and it shall be when thy son asketh thee in time to come and shall say unto him, what is this? He's gonna say, the son's gonna, what is this? Thou shalt say unto him, by strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of from Egypt from the house of bondage. See, God instituted these feasts, like the Feast of Unleavened Bread, with the intention of raising questions, like the question that a child's going to ask the parents, why do we do these things? And God says, when those times come, those are your in-time-to-come times, and that's the chance you need to explain to the child what God did. So how do we preserve the value of in-time-to-come? By repeating what God has done in the past from the accounts of our own lives and from the Bible accounts. That keeps fresh in our minds what God has done. Well, this is what Jacob is saying to Laban, that there will be an in time to come when we'll all be able to look back and we'll see the wondrous works of God. So that's very valuable to do. That's a whole psalm is dedicated to that in Psalm 136. Psalm 136, it just captures the whole benefit of the in time to come. David looks back over time. He recounts everything God did. He starts in creation. He goes to the deliverance in Egypt over and over, and he keeps saying, his mercy endureth forever. His mercy endureth forever. Well, in verse 34, 
Jacob says, so shall my righteousness answer for me in time to come. And what was seen as you look back, so we talked about it. Start off with a large herd of 300 strong, healthy goats and sheep that belonged to Laban. And Jacob's taking care of them. And at the end of the six years, you see a weak, old, worn-out herd of less than 300 goats and sheep. They belong to Laban. And Jacob is still taking care of it. And you saw over here a strong, healthy herd of maybe 7,000 goats and sheep that belonged to Jacob that Laban was taking care of. See, Laban was doing all that work. So at the end of seven years, you saw in time to come what happened. And that's what Jacob told Laban's daughters, his wives, happened in chapter 31, verse 9. Chapter 31, verse 9, where he said, Thus God hath taken away the cattle of your father and given them to me. That's what happened. So at the end of the six years, you saw this in time to come happen to Laban. And Jacob was just like what happened to the murderous Haman and his intended victim, Mordecai, in time to come. We already study Esther 6.11. And Esther 6.11, when it says, Then took Haman the apparel and the horse and arrayed Mordecai and brought him on horseback through the street of the city and proclaimed before him, Thus shall it be done unto the man whom the king delighted to honor. So what we see happened in time to come was Jacob starting with nothing and becoming rich. And Jacob needed goats and sheep to become rich. Jacob needed goats and sheep, and Jacob knew it took... See, Jacob's also very intelligent. Jacob knew it took goats and sheep to make goats and sheep. (laughs) And he didn't have any goats and sheep. eh? Great intelligence. You can't make goats and sheep without goats and sheep. And Jacob didn't have any goats and sheep. And so Jacob borrowed Laban's goats and sheep to make his own goats and sheep. Jacob became rich because of the goats and sheep that he borrowed from Laban. What did the children of Israel do when they left Egypt? They borrowed. <laughs> Can I borrow? Yes, uh, that's nice. Can I borrow? You sure? <laughs> you, you're the one responsible for the flies and the frogs that you take. So Jacob became rich because of the goats and sheep that he borrowed from Laban. Now, I personally understand this because this was an in time to come. You know, Jacob had nothing. He had no goats and sheep. Jacob borrowed Laban's goats and sheep. Jacob became rich from Laban's goats and sheep that he borrowed. I personally understand this because the same thing happened to me. That's what happened to me. You know, in 1976, Dr. Phil Scarpace and I decided to start a company to make antibodies in goats. So Scarpace, Cantor, antibodies became scantibodies. But we had no money. In fact, all we could invest to start the company was $65 a piece, which made $130. And I really didn't even have that. And so when I told the chapel in here in this room that I was starting a company, an old widow lady came up to me right by those donation boxes back there, and she gave me a $100 bill, <laughs> which I later used to buy Phil out, you know, form the company. So it only cost me $30. But Phil and I started with $130. And first we went to Cal Biochem in La Jolla, and we bought the antigen that we needed to inject the goats with, which was rabbit gamma globulin, And it wasn't too bad. It cost $25. But then we kind of anticipated how much the pharmacy was going to ask for the box of syringes and needles. That cost $90. So that left us with $15. And I told Phil, I said, Phil, about our project to make goat anti-rabbic amyglobulin, I know that you're the PhD in the organization, but we're missing a key component, and I'll give you a hint, it has four legs. And we can't buy a goat for $15. And so we couldn't make our product without goats. And Jacob doesn't have any goats. I feel like I was Jacob. Jacob had no money to buy the goats just like me. 
So I was looking at the newspaper and I saw that there was a Harbison Canyon feed store. I didn't even know that there was a place called Harbison Canyon, much less a feed store. And every Saturday morning, they had an auction that included animals. So I said to Phil, let's go. And Phil said, why? I said, I don't know, but we'll find out when we get there. So the auction starts off and there's furniture being auctioned off and then ducks come in there, you know, pigs, rabbits, and then came the goats. And I told Phil, look at who's buying goats and who's selling goats because they were all wearing coveralls, <laughs> which we weren't anyway. So we approached them and we said, so what are you doing with the goats? And they said, oh, don't you? He said, the Filipinos, they love to barbecue goats. So we buy them for $40 and they eat the weeds for about six months and then we sell them for $60. And I said, so after six months, you're making $20. Yeah, they said. I said, so you're making about $3 a month. Yeah. And they said, that's right, about $3 per month. And so then I spun a spiel. (laughs) I got serious looking and I said, look, we're from the university. As a matter of fact, he's a PhD and we have a project. Now, I said, if you let us borrow your goats, we'll come and we'll inject your goats with our antigen. We won't hurt them. They won't die. And then after they start making antibodies, we'll bleed them every month and give you $5 for every bleed or $5 a month. So instead of you making $3 a month for just six months, we'll give you $5 a month continuously. All you have to do is let us borrow your goats. And at the end of the day, we had 165 borrowed goats signed up for our business, and it didn't cost us anything. Jacob got rich on borrowed goats. I got rich on borrowed goats. (laughs) How did Jacob get rich on borrowed goats and sheep? I don't count sheep. I don't like sheep. But anyway, just talk about the goats. How did Jacob get rich on borrowed goats? Because God blessed Jacob's work. How did I get rich on borrowed goats? Because God blessed the work. Now, in verse 34, Laban jumps on it, and he says, Behold, I would it might be, you know, behold, I would it might be. See, Laban is thinking this is a great opportunity again for himself to defraud Jacob because it's not a fair proposal. And had Laban been honest, he would have represented to Jacob, Jacob, you know, you're going to be the great loser in this bargain, but he's not honest. So the only concern that Laban had was that Jacob's going to realize, oh, that's a bad deal, and back out before he can make the agreement. So in verse 34, it's a quick response. And Laban quickly says, behold, I would it might be according to thy word. He's thinking there's just there's no way I can lose in this deal. Now, Jacob made the proposal in verses 32 to 33. And in verse 32, who did Jacob say would pass through the flock to remove the non-black goats and the non-white sheep? Who did Jacob say? Verse 32. Yeah, right. I will pass, meaning him, Jacob. Jacob proposed that Jacob would remove the non-black goats and the non-white sheep. Now, from verse 34, who did Laban agree would pass through and remove all the non-black goats and the non-white sheep? Yeah, he said, I would, it might be according to thy word. You said you're going to remove them. I want you to remove them. That means that Laban agreed that Jacob was going to do the work of passing through and removing all the non-black goats and the non-white sheep. But from verse 35, who actually did pass through the flocks to remove the non-black goats and the non-white sheep? Think so? Look at it real carefully, verse 35. Look at the context. So when you look at verse 35 there, verse 35, he removed that day the he-goats that were ring-straked, spotted, and all the she-goats were speckled, and every one that had some white in it, and all the brown among the sheep, and gave them into the hand of his sons. And he set three days' journey betwixt himself and Jacob. He can't be Jacob because he set the distance between himself and Jacob. So who's the he got to be? Got to be Laban. 
Laban is the one who did that. Laban is the one who went in there, even though Jacob said, I'll do it, and Laban says, yes, you do it. When it came down to it, Laban did it. Why? Why did that happen? Why did Laban remove the animals? He didn't trust Jacob. He clearly did not trust Jacob. You can just see Laban saying, I'm going to make sure. I'm going to make sure. I don't trust this guy, Jacob. I'm going to make sure he doesn't get any goats or sheep that are not black goats and non-white sheep. By hiding them, somehow there's going to be these non-black goats and these non-white sheep, and I don't want, I don't want Jacob to get one goat or one sheep. So I'm not going to trust him to remove those animals. Out of my way, Jacob. I'm going to check and remove the animals myself. That's Laban. And you can see just how careful Laban was when it says in verse 35, and everyone that had some white in it. You get a magnifying glass out, you know, Laban. You see any white? Get it out of there. You know, he culled those things. Make sure there's just no possibility for Jacob to get any animals at all. That's Laban. That's the Laban that Jacob's working for. So Laban, having removed the animals himself, who did Laban give the removed animals to? His sons. His sons, you know. Verse 35, it says, and he gave them into the hands of his sons. Well, Jacob's got 11 sons there. There's 11 boys sitting around doing nothing. So why not say, guys, get in here. Let's do some help here. See, did Jacob give the removed animals into the hands of Jacob? Did Laban give the removed animals into Jacob? No, because he didn't trust Jacob's sons. So Laban gives the removed animals to his own sons and tells them, now you make sure that these removed animals stay away from those other animals. I don't want any breeding going on between them. Now, from verse 36, he did a further precaution that Laban make sure that there'd be no breeding between the removed animals and the herd vessel. What was it? Three days' journey. Three days' journey separates them. That reminds me of a Jewish sales lady we had working for us in New York. She looked Italian. I was always like, you know, you sure you're Jewish? And she said her people came from Germany near the Italian border, and she always said, someone jumped the fence at night. Well, in verse 36, Laban was going to make sure no goat or sheep jumped the fence at night because Laban set a distance of three days' journey between his herd that Jacob had and um, the animals Jacob was taking care of. Now, can you imagine how during those six years there would arrive to Laban from Jacob more and more (laughs) non-black goats and non-white sheep? And these were Jacob's animals. And Laban had to take care of them. I mean, you know, he must have been saying, where are these animals coming from? You know, this must have killed Laban as he thought, wait, I was the one who removed those non-black goats and non-white sheep from my herd. How could my herd be producing all these non-black goats and these non-white sheep? This was a killer for him. Now, the new agreement has been made and the new deal has been sealed and six years starts from now. And that starts from the end of verse 36 where it says, and Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flocks. You know, there's a particular sadness to that last statement in verse 36. Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flock. You know, there's in that statement a sadness that things are just going to continue as they have been. There's a sadness that returning to the old miserable life as before. Nothing's going to change. You know, there's an application in that. For us, the application is, you know, when we sigh and return to the old situation of failed health, an unhappy job, an unhappy marriage. And God says, just wait, because things are going to change for you, Jacob. And there are times in our lives when we run into our verse 36, Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flocks. And God says, just wait. There's a last verse in this chapter, verse 43. And the man increased exceedingly and had much cattle and maidservants and men servants, camels and asses. Let's pray. 
Father, thank you so much for being Jacob's God and helping him. And then thank you for calling yourself to us, the God of Jacob. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Do you have a heart for Israel and lost Jewish people in America? Then come work in Southern California as a full-time or volunteer missionary working with Tom Cantor in Israel Restoration Ministries, reaching lost Jewish people with their Jewish Messiah, Jesus Christ. Hourly wage, 401k, health insurance, company car and phone, and other amazing benefits. Call us, 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051, israelrestoration.org.